listening to the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Today is Monday, December 30th, 2019. We are about to close out the 2019 calendar year. Flip those calendars over to 2020. But before we do that, we're going to recap everything that went down over the weekend with Penn State winning a record-setting Cotton Bowl against the Memphis Tigers. Lots of stuff to react to that ball game and take a look to see where Penn State is moving forward as we go into the new year. We'll talk about all that in today's episode. We'll also recap everything else that went down over the weekend, especially in the college football playoff where Ohio State came up just short against the defending champion Clemson Tigers. We're still operating on a little bit of a holiday adjusted schedule this week with the New Year and New Year's Eve coming up in the next couple of days, but I want to make sure you never miss a single episode by subscribing in your favorite podcasting apps such as iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio. We also have an RSS feed, so if I didn't mention what you use to listen to podcasts, make sure you add the RSS feed into whatever you may be using. We also ask that you take a moment whenever you get a free chance and leave a rating, leave a review. It helps us with the feedback and it does help promote the show on those various podcasting apps as we move into the new year. So we're expecting some big things in 2020. I'm very happy to close out 2019 with a victory to talk to you guys about. And before we do that, I also want to make sure you're also following us on Twitter at Locked on Nittany and check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Locked on Nittany. And now with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and dig into this episode. It wasn't expected to be an easy game, and it certainly was not a pretty game, but Penn State shatters the record books in the, winning the Cotton Bowl 53-39 to against the Memphis Tigers over the weekend. And you know what? That is still a fantastic way to end the season. And to be able to do so, shattering a number of records along the way, it's very encouraging for where Penn State is potentially heading in 2020. First and foremost, if you heard me break down this game over the last couple of weeks, you know that I fully expected that Memphis was going to be a very challenging team for Penn State. And for a long time, especially at the start of the game, it certainly proved why I was saying that. I always said that Minnesota had all the weapons in place at some key positions to give Penn State some real struggles. And it was going to be up to that Penn State defense to make some stops. And they didn't necessarily make a lot of stops early on, but they were able to sustain the damage a little bit. Holding Memphis to as many field goals as they did, seeing so many promising drives for Memphis, and with no more than three points, that was a victory as far as I was concerned. Because even if Penn State was going to get off to a slow start offensively and defensively, I knew that as long as they kept the game within reach, uh, things were going to turn their way in the second half. But you know what? You didn't have to wait for the second half to begin because Penn State exploded in the second quarter, putting up 28 points, and the running game just continued to be impressive. And you know, say what you will, this is not Clemson or LSU that they were going up against, and certainly wasn't Ohio State that they were going up against. But this Memphis team was still pretty darn good, and Memphis had some good defensive moments as well. I know it's hard to say, or it's it's silly to say, that there were some good defensive moments in a game that shattered the Cotton Bowl record for most points scored in a game, and Penn State uh, hitting 53 points and seeing uh, Journey Brown uh, break the program record for most rushing yards in a bowl game. 
which was just broken a couple years ago by Saquon Barkley in the Rose Bowl. But this was a game where the defense was going to have to make some plays, and Penn State's defense actually did make some plays. Again, it was not an easy game, and it wasn't going to be an easy game. But when push came to shove, they needed their playmakers to make some plays. And Micah Parsons was fantastic. Again, it seems weird to say that any defensive player had a fantastic afternoon, but Micah Parsons did have a fantastic afternoon earning defensive MVP honors in the Cotton Bowl with a standout performance. He was a player that a lot of people were starting to get to know around the nation, having been a first-team All-American coming off of this season. And he's going to generate a lot of excitement moving forward, getting ready for the 2020 season. So expect to hear his name a lot when people are talking about some of the best defensive players in the country because that's what he is. He is one of the best defensive players in the country, and he certainly was everywhere in this bowl game for the Nittany Lions, and they needed him. They needed him to create pressure on Brady White, who uh, was a fantastic passer, did just kind of uh, have some of the steam fall out of him and the entire Memphis offense in the second half, but you got to give credit to the Penn State defensive line and Micah Parsons for being able to cause that disruption. Uh, Memphis scores 13 points in the first quarter, 10 in the second. They come out and they, they're ready to fire uh, in the third quarter. They they gave Penn State some good chances or some good uh, some good tests there. And you know, Penn State responded in the fourth quarter by that defensive line and Micah Parsons just making the plays that they needed to have with the pressure that they were capable of bringing. So that kind of followed the recipe for how I thought the game was going to play out. But I certainly didn't expect this many points, especially for an offense that had been slow to start. Sean Clifford was back, and of course, the offensive coordinator transition uh, was going to be a little bit of a question. And Sean Clifford did look rough at times, especially on the first drive. Every time they tried to pass the ball, it wasn't particularly effective. But running the football certainly was. Penn State ran for 396 yards as a team. That is incredible. Like I said earlier, Journey Brown, 202 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. No Kane was back and healthy. That was good to see. He got 92 yards and two touchdowns. Ricky Slade broke off a couple good runs. He ended the day with 58 yards, and Devin Ford scored a touchdown. Sean Clifford actually uh, added to the running game as well, as he's fully capable of doing. So it was a very encouraging performance from the running standpoint. Still have room to improve in the passing game. It took a while to find Pi Firemuth, the tight end, but you know what? <laughs> in the later in the game, Sean Clifford found Firemuth, and that was a big pickup uh, along the way to helping move the ball and continue to run some clock as Penn State needed to kind of keep the ball out of Memphis's hands as the game was still sort of in doubt, but it was certainly trending in Penn State's direction. If KJ Hamler, uh, they tried to get him involved, and he made a couple plays, but didn't have the big explosive play that I think a lot of people were hoping to see. But, you know, regardless, they scored 53 points, put up so many yards of offense uh, with a transition going on with the offensive coordinator. We talked about it last week. They do have an offensive coordinator coming in from Minnesota, so that situation is going to be fun to watch. But this was a good way to end the season. It was a fun way to end the season. And anyone who can't find joy in celebrating the successes of this season capped by a victory in the Cotton Bowl the way that we just witnessed over the weekend is kind of a joyless soul as far as I'm concerned. Let's talk about that in the next segment. There still may be a week of college football bowl games to be played, and of course there's still a national championship game to be played, but as far as Penn State is concerned, we can close the books on the 2019 season and start to begin to reflect on where Penn State is as a whole 
uh, both in the Big Ten and, of course, in the, the more national image of where the state of college football is today. And obviously, we know this the basic complaints here. You know, Penn State is not Ohio State. They're trying to get on the same level as Ohio State. But I think it's safe to say that Penn State is going to continue to be a fixture in the Big Ten picture and potentially the playoff picture. It's probably not going to be on an annual basis, at least not just yet. But it feels as though Penn State is trending in that direction. And that's something that is becoming more and more evident. And it's becoming more difficult to argue against as the seasons go by. And that's one of the big takeaways I have from Penn State's victory in the Cotton Bowl. I put out there that now Penn State has won two New Year's Six Bowl games in the last three years. And of course, they've played in three New Year's Six Bowl games in the last four years. And yes, this game was against Memphis. I get that. And a lot of people struggle to to understand the concept that Memphis is actually a good team. And somebody has to play the group of five team in the New Year's Six. And just the fact that Penn State is in a New Year's Six Bowl game should not be belittled just because of the opponent they're playing is coming from the American Athletic Conference or the Mountain West Conference. That's just the way it is. And yes, it's in nationally and perception wise it is going to be a no win situation for Penn State because you're supposed to win that game or if you lose that game you lost to the group of five team in which case a lot of people are going to slam the program and slam the head coach for a number of reasons but guess what if they're supposed to win the game they did win the game and they broke a lot of offensive records in the process of winning that game so I really don't know what negative takeaway you can have from this game. Yes, the defense could have played better, but you know what? Memphis's offense is really good, and I tried telling that to you guys for a number of weeks now since we found out about this bowl matchup. Uh, so I'm not going to take anything away from Penn State's bowl victory. You're not going to find any reason to take away some joy from a, a victory in the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> it amazes me how many people are out there just trying to kill some of the joy of a fantastic season, an 11-win season that very few people saw coming. I will admit I was not one of them. I predict, correctly predicted every game in the regular season to go the way that it did. But you know, Penn State was kind of flying under the radar. Not a lot of people were expecting them to have the kind of success that they did this season. And yes, they came up small against Minnesota. They failed to take down Ohio State. And that ultimately knocked them out of the Big Ten picture and the playoff picture. But the fact that this is an 11-win team with a victory in the Cotton Bowl, I think speaks volumes about where this program is right now. Penn State is on the same kind of level that a lot of programs are trying to get to right now. And that's the big key here. Uh, The fact that they've been in two New Year's Six Bowl games the last three years and won both of them (laughs) puts Penn State in pretty good company. I'm not going to say elite company because to be elite, I think you need to be in the playoff. I don't think too many people are going to argue that. That's why Ohio State would be considered an elite program, even though they just lost this weekend. But Clemson and Alabama, of course, at LSU this year. Oklahoma, while they haven't had a playoff victory yet, they've been there three times. So I would put them in the, quote, elite category of college football. And Penn State's on the doorstop. And they're trying to to barge their way in. And maybe soon they're going to get there. We'll, we'll see. But for right now, this is still a very good place to be sitting where you can expect that Penn State is going to be in the mix for one spot in the New Year's Six on a regular basis. And I'm not going to say annual basis, but a regular basis. This is three out of the last four years that they've played in the Rose Bowl. They've played in the Fiesta Bowl. And of course, now they've played in the Cotton Bowl. This is a position that not a lot of programs get to experience. And I think that Penn State is in position to be in this kind of category 
for a number of years moving forward. So as I put out on Twitter, I think the critics of James Franklin are losing more and more ammunition by the season. Yes, there are still some concerns or flaws, I would say, in James Franklin. You can go ahead and question the clock management. I think that that was an issue that some people had with yesterday's game. I get it. I respect it. I don't necessarily agree with it yesterday, but I totally uh, am on board with the idea that there could be some room for improvement as far as clock management is concerned. But you cannot say that he can't recruit because he can. Uh, developing talent, they continue to be doing that as far as I'm concerned. Uh, maybe there's still some room for improvement in some categories or certain positions, but I do think that talent evaluation is not exactly a struggle here for James Franklin and his staff. And of course, the big criticism is he's not a he's not beating Ohio State enough. And obviously, that is the case. If you're trying to be the best in the Big Ten, you have to get by Ohio State. But as I'll put it out there once again, everybody's trying to beat Ohio State right now. Wisconsin's trying to do it. Michigan's trying to do it. Uh, every school in the Big Ten is trying to catch up to Ohio State. And Ohio State is in elite category. And that's why everybody is chasing them right now. And Penn State has played them competitively. We cannot d dismiss that. Uh, obviously, you got to get that next next hurdle cleared. And maybe they do that next year. But you know, Ohio State is the elite right now. And Penn State is the Biggest threat to them, at least as far as on-field performance has been concerned. No team has played Ohio State closer in the Big Ten these last few years than Penn State has. Uh, so I think that there's there's something to be said about that moving forward because Penn State knows that they can play with Ohio State. And yes, this year the first half uh, was pretty lopsided, but they did come back. <laughs> so uh, Penn State knows that they can hang with Ohio State, and that's always an encouraging thing moving forward. But of course, the ultimate goal is to beat Ohio State. So yes, that, that's a fair criticism if you want to suggest that the biggest complaint that you have about James Franklin is he doesn't beat Ohio State. Well, not a lot of people do. So I kind of, uh, I'm kind of mixed on that one, but I see where people are saying that. But here's the bottom line, okay? James Franklin has taken this program to a Big Ten title, a Rose Bowl, a Fiesta Bowl, and won the Fiesta Bowl. And of course, just now won the Cotton Bowl. I don't care who the opponent is. You win the Cotton Bowl, you win the Fiesta Bowl in the span of three years, that puts you in some really good company. There's a pretty small list of coaches that have won two New Year's Six Bowl games in the last three years. Obviously, Nick Saban and Dabo Swinney are in there, uh, considering they played for national championships and won national championships. But we also have Urban Meyer, who's been there. Uh, Ed Orgeron at LSU has joined that company. And in the coming days, we're going to see if Dan Mullen of Florida, Kirby Smart of Georgia, or... Uh, Paul Chris at Wisconsin can do the same thing. Now, Paul Chris already has a couple good wins, uh, bowl wins on his resume as well at Wisconsin. But just within the last couple of years, it's a very small list. And that's the thing. This is the stage you want to be in this time of year. Obviously, you want to be in the playoff. But if you can't be in the playoff, getting to the New Year's Six, that is a mark of a true successful season. Win or lose that bowl game, just getting to New Year's Six, that is a huge accomplishment and a validation of the work that has been going on within your program throughout the course of the season. Before we close out this edition of the podcast, let's take a look at some of the other bowl games that happened over the weekend. Of course, in addition to Saturday's Cotton Bowl, where Penn State was uh, taking care of business against Memphis, there was one other game being played at noon with number 15 Notre Dame handling Iowa State 33-9 in the Camping World Bowl. Notre Dame's search for a New Year's Six Bowl victory will continue in 2020. Uh, Notre Dame still looks like they're going to be a pretty decent team once again next season. They do have a challenging schedule, though. I was looking ahead to what Notre Dame has lined up in 2020. They're obviously going to open the season in Ireland against a Navy program that 
hasn't really given Notre Dame too much struggle more recently, but you never know. This Navy team is still going to be pretty good. They're certainly trending back in the right direction under Ken Niumadololo, so we'll see what they do in Ireland. Uh, but, of course, Notre Dame is also going to play Wisconsin in Green Bay's Lambeau Field. They also play Clemson at home. And I think they play Arkansas too, but I'm not too concerned about that one. I think if you're a Notre Dame fan, given where Arkansas is as a program right now. But Notre Dame uh, certainly looks like they've got another two losses potentially on their schedule. But, you know, if they can get through that schedule of one loss, uh, you know, Notre Dame's going to be back in that playoff position in 2020. So we'll just keep an eye out for Notre Dame. But I already talked more about Notre Dame than I anticipated when I hit the record button on this podcast. The other two games on Saturday, of course, were the playoff games. And uh, just real briefly, LSU just obliterated Oklahoma. Oklahoma is now 0-3 all-time in the college football playoff. Uh, the losses are getting more and more agonizing, I think, if you're a Sooners fan. But you know what? Uh, this just is uh, more credit to what LSU has been doing. Ed Orgeron just proving so many people wrong, myself included, uh, about his ability to be the head coach of that program. And we'll see where this goes in the national championship game and in years coming up. But Ed Orgeron is having the time of his life right now. And Joe Burrow is a huge reason why. Joe Burrow, the former Ohio State quarterback, just uh, shredding Everybody in his way, on his way to a Heisman Trophy this year, obviously continued that dominance against Oklahoma, and he's going to be taking that into the national championship game next week against Clemson, the defending national champions, now winners of 29 straight games after edging Ohio State in probably the best semifinal game we've seen in the college football playoff uh, since its inception as far as i'm concerned the only other candidate in the running would be that overtime game between georgia and oklahoma in the rose bowl a couple years ago for my money this game was much more interesting and much more competitive and well balanced i should say ohio state jumped out to a 16 nothing lead on clemson things were looking pretty good for ohio state uh, but clemson battled back and you know, there were some controversial calls that i think did not go ohio state's way I sort of see the reasoning behind the interception or the the fumble that was uh, forced by Ohio State in return for a touchdown being called off as an incomplete pass. Uh, that's a play that a lot of Ohio State fans are probably rightfully upset about. I, I do think that that play probably should have stood as it was ruled on the field, and that touchdown would have been huge. That touchdown would have been immense for Ohio State because it probably gives them the win and sends them into the national championship game. Uh, but there was also the uh, the targeting call, I believe, on Ward. Uh, well, I think it was in the first half that knocked him, probably one of Ohio State's best defensive players in the secondary, out of action. And not coincidentally, Trevor Lawrence went to work after that. So you know, this Clemson team just continues to be so good. Uh, if you haven't watched Clemson, don't disrespect their schedule. I mean, this is a, a absolutely fantastic program. And uh, Davis Winnie's got something really going in that with that program right now. It doesn't show any signs of slowing down. Uh, I'm very interested to see what they do against LSU in the national championship game. It's actually uh, going to be next Monday night, so I believe uh, we've got some time to get ready for that game. And uh, that's going to be a lot of fun because Clemson is the defending national champion. Like I said, they were won 29 straight. They are a really good team. And the way that they were able to come back against Ohio State, who I have said all season long, is one of the best teams in the country. I don't think yesterday's result or Saturday's result uh, diminishes that in any way. Ohio State certainly was one of the best teams in the country this year, certainly in the top three. Uh, it's very difficult now to argue that they were better than Clemson, having lost to Clemson. And I still think LSU now is the best team out there. Uh, but I'm, I'm very curious to see if LSU is going to be able to play enough defense. I'm very curious to see what Joe Burrow does against that Clemson defense. So 
I think it's going to be a fantastic national championship game. It is going to be another ACC versus SEC matchup once again in the playoff. We've had that every year since Ohio State uh, took on Oregon in the initial college football playoff national championship. But at least we got a different SEC team, I guess, <laughs> because Alabama's been there every year except for that first season. And, of course, Alabama will be playing Michigan in the Citrus Bowl coming up on New Year's Day. So, uh, real quick, let's take a look at some of those New Year's Day bowl games real quick as far as the Big Ten is concerned. Uh, the, the games are going to start getting tougher for the Big Ten. Big Ten's off to a nice little 3-1 and one start. Uh, including Penn State's win in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, Michigan State took care of business in the Pinstripe Bowl against Wake Forest. Big Ten's just been dominating the ACC in the Pinstripe Bowl. And Iowa just uh, embarrassed USC out in the Holiday Bowl. That was, uh, that was pretty fun to watch as well. So the Big Ten overall off to a really good start this bowl season. Uh, Ohio State being the only setback so far. But the games are going to start getting more challenging, I think, moving forward. Uh, Illinois at 6-6 six six is going to be taking on California in the Red Box Bowl uh, Monday afternoon you may be even be watching that game as you're listening to this right now but that game is going to be a pretty tough draw for illinois but it's tough to count out illinois at this point and then there will be three i'm sorry four games uh three games on new year's day one additional game on january 2nd minnesota taking on auburn in the outback bowl i don't know if i like minnesota's chances there but who am i to rule them out right now auburn's kind of streaky and auburn is a seven point favorite and of course, as uh, the aforementioned Citrus Bowl, where Alabama is going to be taking on Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Alabama, again, a seven-point favorite there in Orlando. And the big the granddaddy of them all, Wisconsin, actually a three-point favorite against the Pac-12 champion Oregon Ducks. We all know a lot of Penn State fans were hoping that Penn State was going to be in the Rose Bowl. Uh, but Wisconsin, I feel, earned that spot in the Rose Bowl. So you're not going to get any complaints from me. And I look forward to seeing what Wisconsin does against Oregon. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, James Franklin is one of just a ha small handful of coaches to have won two New Year's Six Bowl games in the last three seasons. Well, Paul Chris can join that list with a victory in the Cotton Bowl. And he already has wins in – I'm sorry uh, – victory in the Rose Bowl. And he already has wins in the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl in recent years. So – Paul Chris is in some. Paul Chris is an interesting uh, coaching uh, name to keep in mind there because he definitely flies onto the radar. But he's been continuing to do some uh, really good stuff with Wisconsin. Got to tip your cap to him. So I think that Wisconsin actually takes care of Oregon. I think Wisconsin certainly has uh, more offense to rely on right now. I think uh, they're a little streaky. Will be uh, pretty fun to watch though with Wisconsin and Oregon in the Rose Bowl. And then of course on January second, you'll get one last Big Ten bowl game with Indiana taking on Tennessee. I kind of like Indiana's chances. They're a two point underdog, but I think Indiana takes care of the the, the Volunteers in the Taxlayer Gator Bowl. So I think the Big Ten's got a chance to end the year with a winning bowl record, but uh, New Year's Day is going to be tough. They're going to have to earn it, that's for sure. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Nittany Lines podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm going to give you guys a heads up. We are going to be taking the next few days off here as we go through the New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, uh, busy work schedule, holiday schedule, all that good stuff. But we will have another episode for you later in the week, whether it's going to be on Thursday or Friday, still kind of up in the air. Probably going to have it on Friday for you guys. And then next week, we'll get back into a regular routine as we continue forward into 2020. Just want to thank you guys all for bearing with me these last few weeks through the holiday season. Uh, the, like I said, the busy work schedule. It's been all over the place. It's been a very busy time. But I'm trying to get these podcasts in here for you wherever I can. And we're going to get back onto a regular schedule very, very soon. So hopefully you'll stay with me into the new year because we've got a lot of things planned coming up on the podcast. We're going to take some time to reflect on the season that it was, take a look at uh, some of the ideas and impressions that are out there on a more national level to see where Penn State is being viewed as a program as a whole. 
I'm Kevin McGuire. You can check me out on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Check out my national coverage over at AthlonSports.com and NBCSports.com on College Football Talk. And make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on all your favorite podcasting apps. Rate, review, really does help us out. And of course, if you want to be a part of the show, send in your questions at any time, and we'll do some mailbag segments in the future. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany, and check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. With this being our final episode of 2019, I want to wish you guys all a happy and safe New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Enjoy the festivities, enjoy the bowl games, enjoy whatever New Year's party you're going to, but make sure you're safe, make sure you're responsible, make sure you're ready to enjoy the 2020 calendar year and, of course, the 2020 college football season because I think big things are on the horizon for Penn State and this podcast. So I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for the support. Ring in the new year in style and come back and do it all again in 2020. Have a great day, guys. Have a great end of the year, and I'll see you next year. Next year.